Welcome back to our next edition of Irish Illustrated Insider Recruiting Extra. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by Kevin Sinclair. We'll have our Five Guys segment as usual, but first, uh, I want to talk a little bit about my interview with Jack Swarbrick earlier this week. Had a couple stories up on irishillustrated.com already about scheduling and sort of staff rework and conviction in Brian Kelly, but one thing that I haven't written about yet that I'm going to is Swarbrick's opinion on recruiting, and I asked him a little bit about the story on Ohio State's recruiting machines, $600,000, 10-person recruiting department, and sort of his opinion on, is Notre Dame behind? Can they get caught up? Do they need to catch up in a different way? And his opinion was more that Notre Dame is not going to match Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama in terms of roster depth and talent 1 through 85, but he does feel like 1 through 22, Notre Dame can be very competitive there. And he pointed to sort of looking at the the NFL output from the 2012 BCS title game, uh, maybe less so the 2015 season Fiesta Bowl uh, against Ohio State. But, um, Kevin, it was sort of interesting to hear that because I think when we follow Notre Dame recruiting and before Notre Dame recruiting on more of like a micro granular level – Sometimes it's hard to know whether Notre Dame feels like it should have as much talent as Ohio State and Clemson, or if or if it feels like that's that's a bit of a a mountain that's too high to climb, and they need to approach it from a different angle. Yeah, it's it's sort of a difficult um, topic. You get a, we get sort of a lot of this stuff being discussed in the message board, and that um, you know Notre Dame has some really strong uphill battles. And number one, academic restrictions is one. Um, you know, being in a small, smaller town, um, you know, and then obviously coming off a four and eight season is tough, um, which has been sort of impressive how well they've been doing this recruiting class, uh, despite last season and sort of how it went. Um, it is sort of like, you know, everyone wants to see Notre Dame doing the same things that Ohio State and Alabama and those sort of top powerhouse programs do in the recruiting department. Um, but it's sort of like, what can Notre Dame do? How much can they put towards things and what would work for them um, without sort of bending, you know, what they do as a program in the recruiting department? Yeah, and I think Swarbrick's perspective there was interesting because he felt like what where Notre Dame needs to improve is player identification of fits, not necessarily player identification of like 40 times and vertical jumps and bench presses because uh, he made the point that when Notre Dame makes – a mistake in recruiting and then take somebody who's not a fit here that you end up with sort of a dead scholarship for multiple years. And that doesn't happen in other programs. They just process you out. So Notre Dame is in the process of sort of doing a deep statistical dive, 10 years looking at what kind of guys fit and what kind of guys didn't. So you cannot make the same mistake twice or three times or four times. So I'm not really sure how that's going to shake out for Notre Dame. I, I think both of us would agree that Notre Dame just doesn't have enough material on defense right now. Um, and I think Notre Dame's perspective overall is if you, if you really had to distill this down to a soundbite that you could say like, okay, I get what you mean. Now it's Notre Dame's perspective is they want to spend less time trying to be like Ohio state, Alabama and Clemson. They want to spend more time figuring out, how do we get better than Stanford again? Because what Stanford is doing in terms of their fit and identification and development to, for my money is superior, far superior to 
to what Notre Dame's doing right now, and there's no reason for that. There's no reason why Notre Dame can't beat Stanford at its own game because it was beating Stanford at its own game before Stanford was even playing it, uh, you know, in the 80s and 90s before Jim Harbaugh showed up. So I think that's sort of Notre Dame's outlook on that. Um, but it's it, recruiting, it, it's a tough fix. It's it's not something where you can just sort of snap your fingers together and it's everything's going to be better. Um, Notre Dame's yeah. got a lot of work to do there. Yeah, I think they've, um, during the Van Gorder era, I think there is, Notre Dame put themselves in a tough position um, at the time and also still occurring um, because they sort of added bodies along the defensive line just to sort of add bodies. It's like they missed on, you know, the guys they wanted and then they added, you know, players who just, we didn't know where they would fit or if they would, if they would play in the future at Notre Dame. And there's, you know, several guys along the defensive line who still haven't played and probably won't ever play at Notre Dame. Um, and it's sort of a situation where if you just didn't take those guys that year, you could take guys at those positions when you could get them the next class or the class after. And now, you know, sort of short on scholarships. Of course, you always want to be above the 85, but they've definitely got themselves in a tough position, especially along the defensive line. And it's about learning from that mistake and not making it again in the future and just having more quality depth. Yeah, and it's. I think the, the Van Gorder issues with identification of, of fits and projecting high school players who can grow into very good college players and beyond, it reminds me a little bit of the Weiss era where there just wasn't good evaluation. Um, you know, Weiss had a pro background, and it almost felt like sometimes they recruited off lists. Now, they did a very good job recruiting off those lists for Michael Floyd, Kyle Rudolph, etc., but I think Van Gorder had a very difficult time projecting guys uh, over the long haul here. And, you know, Notre Dame has ended up with some some kind of ghost scholarships in some ways, guys who just don't really have an opportunity to play, and they, they took them because they needed a guy. So I, I'm very curious to see if Notre Dame can at least invest more. And, you know, we've, we've talked about social media on our podcast before. Notre Dame can do a lot more there. Um, but I think a, a lot of the things Notre Dame is doing – where it becomes, you know, career development or the four for 40 type stuff. I like that. I think they're doing a good job there, but um, they can't sort of get out Stanford by Stanford. And I think that's, if there was one thing I could, I could fix about Notre Dame recruiting, that would be it where you have somebody like Thomas Booker come across where you, he's tweeting out his SAT score of 1470. Um, You can't lose that guy to Stanford. You got, you got to figure out a way to sell, the fact that people give a crap about Notre Dame football 365 days a year, and at Stanford it's more like three or four days. Um, you got to figure out a way to play up the player's ego there, in my opinion, and get them thinking about, okay, if I go to Notre Dame, I'm, I'm going to be a big deal and get a great education and win a lot of games. Whereas if you go to Stanford right now, you're going to win a lot of games and get a great education, but you're just not that big of a deal because that's, that's the way Stanford football is wired. Right. Good point. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame definitely needs to start winning those battles. Um, you know, you look at some recruits right now and it's like we're we're hoping Notre Dame will beat Oklahoma State and West Virginia for Dante Burton. Well, I think we need to be more concerned about beating Ohio State and Penn State for Jason Owa. That sort of needs to be more of the focus. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that. It's like, you know, the, the Jason Owa. um 
recruitment is fascinating to me. And like, let's just jump into five guys there because he's he's on my list this week. Um, you know, the the Blairstown Academy defensive end who we've been talking about for about a month uh, post Irish invasion. Because I mean, he is just he's a that's a recruit Notre Dame can't afford to lose to Ohio State. Parents went to Harvard. He plays a position of huge need here. That's not a position of huge need at Ohio State. Um, Penn State's going to get a final visit. Notre Dame's going to get a final visit. Ohio State's going to get a final visit. Um, he said the Ohio State leads. Now, if you go to Ohio State with Tyreek Evans probably coming on board, Cox is committed. He's a four-star opening finalist. Uh, you got Chase Young last year, five-star Maybe you get Zach Harrison next year, another five-star, uh, come to Notre Dame, it's wide open. So Notre Dame needs to figure out a way to hit that angle with him um, because it's very going to be very difficult for me to look at Notre Dame and feel like, yes, they had a complete class without Jason Oa. Uh, the recruiting news on him in terms of commitment timeline has changed a little bit. Instead of going through official visits, uh, he would like to get this done maybe by the end of the month. So, uh we won't be talking about Jason Oa that much longer as a recruit. We're going to be talking about him as a commitment. It remains to be seen whether we'll be talking about him as a Notre Dame commitment. But uh, absolutely, a guy Notre Dame needs to lead, need to land, and they're going to find out whether they are in the next couple of weeks. Right. Yeah. And the Ohio State also has Andrew Chatfield that we right. defense. Yeah. So yeah, we were talking about Pete, and it's sort of a situation where um, how much is Jason Oa going to be concerned about? sort of the talent at the weak side defensive end position and how, how much does he, you know, how much does he want to play early and get on the field? And then also how much are his parents going to play a factor in it in terms of him wanting to get a good education? Um, so that's all going to be very interesting. So um, my first guy on my list is a uh, cornerback Dante Burton. If uh, you've been listening to our podcasts, um, you'll definitely have heard me speak about him many times. I'm really high on him. Uh, he's out of Loganville, Georgia, Loganville High School, uh, kind of a small town down there. Um, interesting thing, it's actually just down the road from where Stefan Tuit came from, from Monroe Area High School. I uh, found that interesting. Five foot eleven, 175 pounds. Uh, he's rated uh, as the number seven corner in Georgia, number 31 corner in the South. Um, his offers from um, Nebraska, North Carolina, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, uh, Oregon, Pitt. Vanderbilt, uh, Virginia Tech, Wisconsin, and others. Um, he was uh, once committed to North Carolina, then decommitted. Um, he's been speaking with Thunder Dame since they offered uh, quite regularly. Uh, Todd Light has uh, kind of gotten a sort of built a strong bond with him. He's been speaking with his father as well. Brian Kelly's gotten on the phone with him a few times. Um, you know, he started seeing the Notre Dame edits sort of sent his way, um, popping up on Twitter. Um, Burton's telling me he's been hearing from other Notre Dame commits and that. Um, so he's excited about Notre Dame and he's moved his visit up to this weekend rather than, uh, originally it was going to be July 29th. Um, he's talking about possibly visiting Oklahoma state and West Virginia as well. There was some talk about visiting Pittsburgh, um, as well, but it sounds like that probably won't happen. I spoke with his, uh, coach, Jimmy Jarrett, um, from Loganville high school, Dante, um, and his family sort of relocated for a year, and he went to Central Gwinnett last year, which uh, they play 6A ball, um, where he's going dropping down to, I think, I believe a 5A school in Georgia this year. Um, still great football nonetheless, but while he was in Central Gwinnett, that sort of 
Um, there was other strong recruits there, a lot of coaching staff, uh, college coaches were coming through the school. That sort of raised his stock a bit in terms of just him getting more exposure in that. Um, so he's coming back to Loganville. His coach said he's just seen a huge change in him. Um, first of all, he said he's seen a huge change in the way he's working in the classroom. Um, this coach Jarrett is also a teacher in the school. Um, since he just sees him really dedicated to working really hard and, and obviously, um, that bodes well for Notre Dame. Uh, he's going to be playing on the offense as well. He said his speed, um, you know, he's clocked in sub four, five speed, um, very yes, sir, no, sir, kid works really hard, always working on getting better. Um, they're going to work him into some slot receiver, get him on some jet sweeps, just take advantage of his speed. Sounds like they just don't really want to take him off the field. Um, I'm really high on his film, keeps up with all of the, you know, number one receivers. He's definitely a man coverage specialist, um, really great feet. Um, I definitely see him myself as a four star talent. Uh, there's others who think this think around that, those lines as well. I believe Tim Priester said he's sort of a, you know, kind of a really good three-star cornerback with some four-star traits. Um, I think Notre Dame uh, is going to leave, uh, or sorry, he's going to leave Notre Dame with them as the leaders. I know that Notre Dame leads for him right now, although he sort of keeps that sort of quiet. He is taking in other schools right now, but this is a kid that I think Notre Dame gets. Wouldn't be surprised if he committed. Uh, while at Notre Dame or shortly after, but I think I'd more lean towards him taking in a few more visits and, and uh, making a commitment uh, probably you know before the summer's over, although he said he may um, go into September with that, but I think uh, it'll be sooner than that. At some point, a cornerback is going to commit. Uh, and, and <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. N- number two for me, Jason Admirola, he's had a really nice offseason. There's no way around it. I mean, every event that he's attended – He's impressed. Uh, opening regionals, getting an invite to the opening finals. Opening finals, making it to the final five. Being really good in the final five, beating Jamari Salyer on at least one rep, which is one more rep than everybody else basically all weekend. And then scoring an invite to the U.S. Army All-American Bowl. So uh, Jason Amalola is a rare defensive line commitment for Notre Dame where there's no question that he's earning all these honors whether he was committed to Purdue or Notre Dame. Because I think sometimes we end up with guys who are committed to Notre Dame that get maybe a little bit more buzz, a little bit benefit of the doubt because Notre Dame is a great brand name and gets clicks and eyeballs and it's it's good for your all-star game, it's good for your combines, good for all that stuff. But Jason Alamola, it wouldn't matter where he was committed. He could be going to Rutgers and he would be doing all this stuff. But Notre Dame has got a great one here and – just been so impressed with his work over the entire off season and uh, paid off with the army bowl invite this week. So uh, con- congratulations to Adam Olo. He, he definitely earned it. You bet. My second guy is uh, safety D'Angelo McKenzie. I uh, visited on Monday. Um, he's really excited about that. He made it very clear that Notre Dame uh, was his leader going into it after speaking with him post visit. He's definitely still has Notre Dame as his leader. Um, he's six foot, 185 pounds out of San Jose, California, Valley Christian high school. Uh, he's listed as a cornerback with scout. Um, but as I've discussed before, he's definitely a safety and definitely being recruited as a safety. His offers from Arizona, Arizona state, Hawaii, Notre Dame, Oregon state, San Diego state, San Jose state, UCLA, Utah, Washington state, and Wyoming. Um, so, yeah, he visited on Monday with uh, some family and some family friends. Um, you know, he, 
has a really strong bond with Brian Pullian. I think that's what sold Notre Dame uh, so well um, to him. Uh, he just really um, enjoys speaking with Brian Pullian, and, and he really works on him with kind of his recruitment as a whole. Talk to him about, um, you know, the steps he can take to just sort of make the best decision. Um, that's all That's all gone really well for Notre Dame. Um, you know, the, he definitely made it very clear to us, although there was a lot of talk sort of in social media and that, that, you know, D'Angelo McKenzie was going to commit to Notre Dame. He made it clear to us that, you know, he had some work to do on, it was either his SAT or ACT or both um, before being able to commit to Notre Dame. On top of all of that, as I've discussed before, you know, Notre Dame got two, uh, two talented safeties last year. Isaiah Robertson, who we already saw in the spring, looks like he's going to be a contributor. Jordan Genmark Heath as well. Um, he's sort of drawn some good reviews so far in OTAs. Um, they just got to transfer Alohi Gilman, who's a proven starter at the college level. Um, and, of course, Derek Allen, one of the best safeties in this class. Um, so, you know, that's four talented safeties who all look like they can contribute. Um, could you see D'Angelo McKenzie beating any of them out? Um, that's sort of the question. Um, I don't know if Notre Dame will take another safety in this class. Um, and if they do, there's, you know, Chigozi Anusium uh, out of California as well. He's six foot two. Paul Moala, the in-state safety talent. The kid's a playmaker. Um, and also there's Julius Irvin out of California. He's a four-star recruit. He's uh, apparently going to be visiting this summer as well. So, you know, he would have to be, you know, a take out of, out, of those, uh, out of those other safeties. So he's a great kid. He did well at the Oakland opening. But uh, I don't know that he'll end up being in this class. Uh, again, I'm not sure if Notre Dame will take another safety in this class. Uh, the day after Notre Dame um, hosted him, he visited Northwestern. Um, and he said that he's going to be visiting Washington and Washington State uh, later this summer. All right, next up for me, Kevin Austin, uh, six foot two, 190-pound receiver. Uh, North Broad Prep in Florida. Uh, quick update on our message board last night in case you missed it. Um, I caught up with Austin's dad for a story I'm working on about Austin's sort of training regimen and the work he puts in. But um, I asked timeline. said early August, nothing this month. Uh, Austin's going on a college tour with some teammates just as a supporting role. It's, it's Florida and Georgia schools. It's not a situation where Austin is looking to add to his list. Overall, I still feel like Notre Dame will be the pick, but in terms of when that is going to happen, whether it's going to be Notre Dame, Duke, Miami, or Tennessee, early August for that, uh, after he gets back, they kind of want to get this done before training camp gets uh, in full swing at North Broward Pep. But um, that's the latest on Kevin Austin. Probably because he was a guy that I think we sort of looked at as could come off the board in July, but it's at least going to get into August a little bit before Austin makes his decision. You know, my third guy is uh, offensive tackle Nick Petit Frere um, out of Tampa, Florida, Berkeley Prep, Berkeley Preparatory School. Um, I got him on the phone. He sort of was silent through the spring. Um, it was definitely a, a challenge getting him on the phone, but I I spoke with him um, on the weekend. Uh, first off, there's always been a bit of a discrepancy in, in his size. Right now, he's six foot six, 274 pounds. Um, he's listed as the number one uh, offensive tackle in Florida, number three tackle in the South, number six in the country, and number 37 overall recruit. Um, this kid is a very, very talented athlete, uh, really good body control, aggressive. 
Um, what I really like about him is he's, you know, sort of elite as a run blocker and as a pass blocker. His feet are really something. Um, and he also plays, you know, plays very well on the defensive line as well. I think he could definitely play a power five football along the defensive line. But he's, uh, I spoke to him about it. And he said, uh, you know, pretty much everybody's looking at him as a left tackle, if not a tackle in general. Um, you know, he visited Notre Dame on March 24th. Um, and he sort of maintains that, you know, he really likes Notre Dame um, and he's going to take an official visit this year. But he's just truly hasn't gotten to sort of narrowing down his list. Um, he's made some some visits, uh, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Miami, North Carolina, Michigan, Notre Dame. Um, you know, so that gives a bit of an indication as to which schools he's sort of, you know, really interested in. Um, I think Notre Dame will probably make the cut for him. But, I mean, I asked him just sort of flat out, do you think Notre Dame will make your first cut, be in your top group? And I think he said, yeah, I think so. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> that was sort of his answer. So, um, yeah, he's just really – he's just unsure right now. He truly is. Um, he has a huge offer list uh, just loaded with, you know, all the top programs, Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Georgia, LSU, Miami, Michigan, Ole Miss, Nebraska, North Carolina, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Oregon, Penn State, Tennessee, Texas, UCLA, Virginia, um, and so on. So, I, I, you know, I talked with his uh, head coach, Dominic Seau. Um, he's been coaching prep football in Florida since 1979 at really strong programs, and he said he's the best player he's ever coached. So that's uh, how quality of an athlete he is. Um, 3.7 GPA at a you know really strong academic school um, definitely fits the bill at Notre Dame. Um, they'll keep pushing for him hard, and we'll see what we'll see what happens. But as of now, there's just not a, a ton to report on him. Yeah, reading that interview, I mean, it was great that you got him on the phone because nobody really does. But and reading, you're like, oh, this is why this guy doesn't really like talking to the media because he doesn't like <laughs> talking to the media. Doesn't know anything. Yeah. Just doesn't want to say anything because seemed like a guy that just really has not thought a whole lot about it. Um, right. The other unexpected, Tommy Tremble, another guy you know pretty well, Kevin, um, but does have a lot to say, and that commitment could come in the next week. Um, I think you're sort of of the opinion that Georgia, UCLA, Notre Dame are sort of the, the ones to watch there, if I'm not mistaken, but Notre Dame has, um, Notre Dame seems like it's in a, in a good spot there for a second tight end. I know on earlier podcasts, I, I had said that I didn't expect them to take a second tight end, so this is a little bit of a big picture surprise to me based on numbers. But um, with Tommy Tremble, yeah, with Tommy Tremble following George Takis. But uh, if you can get sort of a, a guy to split out wide who's more of a, a pure athlete like Tremble to go with more of a traditional inline blocker like Takis, if you can make the numbers work, go for it. Um, they certainly feel very, very good about what Cole Komet and Brock Wright have already shown in practices and workouts, but. Uh, Next year's tight end depth chart could turn over in a big way, and if Chip Long is serious about being more two tight end, three tight end base, then you got to have four four tight ends ready to go, and that's I think where maybe Tommy Tremble fits in that mix. So he's uh, number four for me this week. Yeah, number uh, what am I at here? I'm at four. Um, Kyler Gordon, um, cornerback out of Washington, Everett, actually not far from me, Archbishop Murphy High School, uh, four star cornerback. Uh, number one at his position in the state of Washington, third corner in the West, number 25 cornerback overall, number 280 overall prospect in the 2018 class. 
has offers from Arizona, Cal, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Oregon, Stanford, TCU, UCLA, Utah, and Washington. Um, this kid, sort of the way I look at him, is he's, I guess, the most talented cornerback who's legitimately considering Notre Dame. Um, they haven't been able to get him on campus yet. Obviously, he's a long ways away uh, from South Bend, but I spoke with him recently. He's definitely planning an official visit. Um, sort of, he said he's been to kind of either all of or most of the schools that he's interested in outside of, except for Notre Dame, basically. Um, so he's visited Stanford, UCLA, USC, although he doesn't have an offer from them at this time, and Washington. Um, I think uh, from, from what I've talked with other other people in the network, other people know about him. It sounds like he's going to be a tough pull from either you know a Stanford or Washington. Um, he's a kid who has a 3.81 GPA. Uh, interesting point with uh, his Notre Dame recruitment is there's a, a few teachers at his school who are Notre Dame alumni, and he's told me that they've really you know chimed in about Notre Dame a lot with him. Um, the big thing that really I guess the two things that are sort of, um, you know, catching his interest about Notre Dame. Uh, number one is just Brian Polian has uh, done a really good job of recruiting him. And he has built a strong bond with him. He really, really likes Brian Polian. Uh, but the other aspect is the networking um, aspect of Notre Dame, um, you know, career-wise. Um, that's really hit home with him. Um, he's really interested in what Notre Dame could do for him long-term outside of football. Um, I think that that is probably the key component in this recruitment. It's why he wants to come and visit and see if it's a fit for him. Um, you know, it's like I said, it's going to be a tough pull because he sort of has, um, you know, the offers that a kid from Washington would want to have Stanford, Washington, UCLA. Um, and he's definitely interested in those schools. So um, he's planning on sort of a, you know, somewhere mid season, announcement if not it'll be right after his season um it, you know this will be a huge visit when he comes he's not sure which game it'll be for at this time um he's a really busy summer so he doesn't sound like he's gonna be making other visits um but yeah this would be a huge get for notre dame it would add some star power to the cornerback class um and it would give them a guy who could you know probably contribute early yeah last guy for me gordon porter out of uh california Three-star wide receiver listed at 6'2", 175. Good speed. Um, yeah, with Notre Dame's position, basically just down to Micah Jones. They need help with the wide receiver position. If they're going to take three, I could see Gordon Porter being the third to go with Austin and Jones. If they're going to take two, I feel like Notre Dame probably needs to go a little bit higher up the board here. But uh, Gordon Porter... Talked about official visits to UCLA for their opener against Texas A&M and then a week later getting out to Notre Dame for the Georgia game. As is true with a lot of California prospects, they take longer in recruiting. It's just a different vibe out there. They're not in a rush to get everything done. So that extended timeline, I think, plays well for Notre Dame because it gives them more time to figure out, okay, how many numbers do we actually have here? Um, And that could lead to only taking two wide receivers at that point, they can make a more uh, informed decision. But uh, I think ultimately they would prefer to take a third just based on only signing two last year and neither of them being like huge, big names. So Gordon Porter, he's number five for me this week. I think he's just sort of an interesting guy. And, you know, we we write and talk a lot about three-star prospects and under-the-radar guys. And it's hard to know who Notre Dame is really involved with and who they're just sort of recruiting to recruit. But 
I think Gordon Porter is more in the group of guys they're really interested in. Uh, and then ultimately Notre Dame can make a, a serious decision on him down the road when he's uh, closer to making a commitment and, and cutting down his list. But right now Notre Dame top seven for him uh, heading into training camp. Yeah, my last guy is wide receiver Bryson Jackson out of Houston, Texas. That's the St. Pius uh, High School. That's one of the top programs in Texas. Uh, his quarterback is Grant Gunnell or Gunnell. I mean, still haven't figured out which it is, but he uh, <laughs> he um, had the offer from Notre Dame, but uh, committed to Texas A&M. Anyhow, that offense generated 65 touchdown passes last year. Bryson Jackson is going to be their guy. They have their quarterback back. Uh, keep an eye on him. He should have a huge year. Six foot, 175 pounds, uh, number 11 wide receiver in Texas, four-star recruit, number 54 overall wide receiver in the country, number 280 overall. Um, big offer list. His top offers are Alabama, Arizona, Cincinnati, Miami, Minnesota, Ole Miss, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Oregon State, TCU, and Texas A&M. Um, Notre Dame was his first offer, so that's sort of a big deal to him. Um, Bryson Jackson would be a, an outstanding locker room guy. His energy is great. He's a hilarious sense of humor. He's just a really great kid. I always really enjoy talking with him. Um, he's been hearing from Delvon Alexander consistently. Still hears from Brian Kelly, Chip Long. They're putting forth a big effort with him. They went and checked him out in the spring. Um, the thing with him is he's a, he's a big-time two-sport athlete. He was more of a baseball player before he became more of a football player. He still takes baseball very seriously. When I spoke with him, he was still he was sort of in the tail end of his baseball season, which is why he hasn't been making a ton of visits lately. But it's wrapping up. He's hitting TCU this weekend, and then he's going to be uh, visiting LSU soon. Now, he doesn't have a football scholarship to LSU, but he does have a baseball scholarship there, and that seemed to be a big deal to him. Uh, an interesting thing that he said to me, I just sort of asked him flat out, you know, what's, what are the chances that you could end up at Notre Dame? And he said sort of, quote, if I get on the phone with their baseball coach, they'll probably have a 50% chance of me committing this. So, um, you know, this this kid would add a really good dynamic to Notre Dame's wide receiver class, a bit of star power. Uh, he's great film. He's definitely going to take an official to Notre Dame. Um, he grew up watching Notre Dame on NBC. He spoke a lot about Torrey Hunter and how he sort of juggled, you know, baseball and football careers in Notre Dame. He really likes that. He talked a lot about sort of some Notre Dame history stuff that sort of proved to me that he really did watch a lot of Notre Dame football <laughs> and up on them a lot. He did uh, more so than um, most recruits I've, I've spoken with. So he's definitely interested in Notre Dame. Um, he's taken that official. Um, if it goes well, you know, we're going to have to see, maybe even try to learn about what the situation was is with him, with Notre Dame, with baseball. Um, because that's obviously a big aspect to him. So keep your eye on Bryson Jackson. Um, he's still a legitimate option. Yeah, it was a, it was a good interview because I, I feel like a lot of people felt like he was trending away towards a Big 12 destination, and you know he sort of fits into that mix of receivers not named Kevin Austin or Amon Ross St. Brown where they're trying to figure out, okay, what's what's the match here? Who's Who could be our, our number three? So. Bryson Jackson's definitely got to watch. So that's it for our Five Guys segment this week, and that's it for our podcast, Irish Illustrated Insider Recruiting Extra. We'll be back next Thursday with another edition. Hopefully we'll have a uh, one of Notre Dame's top prospects on the next podcast, uh, and maybe we'll even have a commitment to talk about by then. So until then, he's Kevin Sinclair. I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for listening.
Thank you.